Recording. Yep. Recording. Ready? Yeah. One, two, One, three. Two, three. Clap. Do that again. Do that again. <laughs> you're a drummer. <laughs> I know. You were like, it was like you were on delay. Where Where yeah. are you coming from? Don't look at each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Here, we'll, we'll, we'll clap on eight. What? Eight? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right. So it's... Wow, I'm so loud when I sit this close. Eight. It's gonna be why, do, one, why eight? I'm not going to look at you. I'm not going to look because that's a musical count, isn't it? One, two, three, four, five, eight. six, seven. Can't we just do five. three? No, because there's no... <laughs> oh, one, God. Two, right. Three. If you can keep in time with that, because well, you did Let's do four. You went, you, 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 <laughs> let's you do went four. One, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> let's do four because eight. <laughs> I haven't got all fucking nine. Okay, so we'll clap on four then. Right. Okay, right. I've recorded all that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could go in. <laughs> could. Shambles. Right. Ready? Okay. Yeah. Right. One. One, two, two three, three, four. four. Yeah. I think we got it. I think we got it. I think we got it. <laughs> oh, My name's Daryl Powell, and you're listening to Searching for Shyness. Welcome to Searching for Shinies, the football sticker book podcast with me, Ketch, and him, Richie Wyatt. Richie, it's a ruddy miracle. We found another <laughs> player who has agreed to talk to us about 1997 for two hours. Derby County's Daryl Powell. We have, and it's, I think it's fair to say that Daryl went through a roller coaster of emotions on the podcast. <laughs> As you will hear, he started out almost resenting us, like disillusioned at the proposition of a two-hour interview. In his mind, we'd gone from being a 15-minute chat he'd agreed to on a whim to a marathon conversation impeding his daily visit to a local David Lloyd gym. Now, it is worth stating that other gyms are available, and that we are not affiliated with David Lloyd, despite the numerous mentions the leisure chain gets mm. during our conversation with Daryl. We could get um, them in as sponsors. <sighs> Mr. Lloyd, if you're listening, very cheap. Mm. Um, Now, we don't record our video of the conversations we have on Zoom, partly due to the additional effort it would take to edit, but more so because, on the most part, it would be dull as dishwater. However, Pauli was another story. Easily, easily the most animated of our guests. He was was sitting in like a medium-sized, well-apportioned office in his home, wooden floors, cupboards, plenty of desk space. Um, with it being largely wooden, his office was just echoing around the room and he was mm. bouncing his way through the stories, like genuinely up on his feet at one point, yeah. jumping around, shouting out, clapping his hands, waving around. Moments later, he'd be sort of back in his seat, slumped over <laughs> his laptop with his head in his hands, just uh, yeah. so at, w- at, one, at one point, he had his Ensley owl out, and, and that's not a uh, euphemism. P- p- pardon? Oh. It's not a euphemism. He had his Ensley owl out, so... The man of the match award you got in the old Ensley Division One, he got it out, didn't he? And showed us it. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And that is not the first Ensley Owl I've ever seen before. A couple of years ago, this is a true story. I stayed at Marco Gabbiadini's guest house in York. I had, we weren't doing the show at this stage, otherwise, you know, questions would have been asked. He, he was obviously a teammate of Pauli's at Derby, mm-hmm. and he had his Ensley Owl out <laughs> in the breakfast room. It sounds ridiculous. Yeah, it was distracting. It was distracting. I was trying to eat my poached eggs and Gabbiadini's. Yeah. It's the owls out. <laughs> <laughs> right, come on. Anyway, 
So when I contacted Marco on WhatsApp about coming on the show, because I had his number, read the message, two blue ticks, never responded. So mm-hmm. I don't know I don't know what the moral of that story is, but Marco Gabbiadini isn't coming on our show. You might do in the future, but for the meantime, he's not booked. Uh, I'm going to do some more moaning at the end of the show about players who don't want to come on the show, listener. So don't miss that. I know you love it. Mm. Just send him that little clip of audio um, as a pitch, and maybe he'll listen and enjoy it and come on. But now, last episode, you conceded to not having remembered our guest Watsy. Yeah. Um, if you haven't listened to it yet, listeners, go back and listen to it. Can you remember Daryl Powell? This is ridiculous. We're literally recording now. <laughs> What's <laughs> it's, it's, it's just turned up with Howie. We can't see. Howie the Hedgehog. We've just we've spent we've spent an hour writing the script and we've just pressed record and you've brought Howie into the no. Well, there he is. Go on, Howie. He's asleep. Uh, What's he in? Is that a stocking? He's in a little pouch. He's not he's not happy. Where do we where do we get to there? We're fine. I was just saying, um now you conceded to not remembering the previous guest what's in his playing days. Can you remember Daryl Powell? Please tell me you can. Obviously. Obviously. Legend. World Cup legend. As you're going to hear, listener. And before I forget, we owe a huge thanks to Lizzie, director at Halls and Halls. She connected us to Daryl. Halls and Halls are a boutique agency linking sports events and brands and talent like Daryl Powell. I contacted Lizzie with the list of players. I literally sent her the list from the 1997 Premier League sticker book. And her team came back with Powley. So thanks, Halls and Halls. Uh, listener, mm. check them out, hallsandhalls.com. And follow them on Twitter. They are at Halls. Mm, Halls. Capital N. <laughs> Yes, thank you very much, Lizzie. Now, before we go any further, Ketch, I've got a little surprise for you, a little treat. Oh. Okay, and I don't know why I haven't done this before, but I've got a quiz question for you. I'm oh, going to give you the question now, and I'm going to reveal the answers at the end of today's show. Yeah. This is, I'm really going to put you on your toes here. Oh. Okay. I want you to name the 96-97 PFA Team of the Year. Oh, I've got no chance. Got no now, chance. I'll, get, I'll do well to get three players. Okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> what I'll tell you is, in classic 90s style, it is, of course, a 4-4-2 formation. Yeah. Now, I could give you some clues, but I think I'll wait till later oh, in the show. But I'm just have a little think. Yeah. Have okay. a little think, okay, and we'll pick it up in the outro. Right, listeners, whilst Ketch is thinking about that, strap yourselves in for the 1990s whirlwind that is Jamaica and Derby's Daryl Powell. Joining us today is a player who holds the record for the most Premier League appearances at Derby County, sticker number 142 in the 1997 Premier League sticker book. He holds legendary status at Pride Park and was an established international player for Jamaica, who he represented at one of the best World Cups of all time, France 98. It's an honour to extend a big shiny welcome to Derby's Daryl Powell. Daryl, welcome to the show. Thank you. That applause was amazing. The crowd went nuts, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> we can add that in. We can add, a, we can add the applause in. Daryl, we like to start the show by opening the sticker book and asking if you can name as many of the other stickers on the Derby spread as possible. So these are your teammates from the 96-97 season. 96-97. So was that Premier League or was that the promotion yeah. season? Premier, Premier League. League, of course. Right. Let me start in goal. Um, oh, that's tough. Holty would have been there. Yeah, but you've got it. One keeper. But Pumi came later on, so I'm not sure if he's in there or not. Mark Poom. Holt. Pumi isn't, but Holt is. So you've right. got the keeper. Full, full backs. Oh, my gosh. Rowett. Yeah. Uh, left back, Chrissy Powell. Yeah. 
Da -da 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 -da. Stimatch came the season before, so he'll be in it. Yeah. Stimatch will be in it. Other centre half. Um, here's a little punt here. Might be a bit too early for him. Christian Day. No, Jakob Larsson. Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, he's there. Yeah, he worked with me, so that's why that one helped. Yatesy. Yes. You were going to say another name as well, which is there. Uh, I was, I really. Uh, you, started saying, you started saying his name. and then Christian Daly. Yeah, he's there. Is yeah. he there? Christian in there? He's down as a forward. Is he? Yeah, he's a centre-half, midfielder. He was he was decent at Really, really good good player. Really unassuming person as well. Really good player. Uh, la, 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 la. Put myself in midfield in yeah. that. Um, yeah. Vanders was still there. Vandalan, because he, yeah. he scored the goals that got us promoted. And then we had... The, oh, he was a he was a genius. He was so strange though. What a lad, Asanovic, Asanovic. <laughs> he's got to be in. He was he was top top draw. What a player he was. We'll get to him later. Um, all right, I'll leave him alone then for now. Um, <laughs> da, 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 da. I'm just trying to think how we played. Wide, 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 wide. Oh, I'm gonna miss something good. No, let me go with the strikers then. Obviously, Sturridge. Yeah. One chop came in later, so he might not be in it. That's correct. Is He's that right? Yeah. I can't yeah. believe I'm remembering this. It must have been a You've happy time. You've got 11. 11 out of 15. It must be a so happy what? time. Um, <laughs> da -da 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 -da. Wardy. Ashley Ward. Yeah. Uh, da -da 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 -da. Come on. I can't think of any. The wide players must have been poor. Let me see if this one's in there. <laughs> But I don't know how many appearances. Is Carzo in there? Lee Carsley? No. No. Um, God. Tell, just tell me, Ronnie uh, Villains. Yes. I think you're missing one of the big, big names, Richie. Am I right? I think you've got three left, um, one of whom is an absolute legend of the game, but was in his twilight years when you played with him. Oh, my God. Paul McGrath? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. He came that early, did he? Jesus. I, I've actually... I am getting old. Gee, I thought Paul McGrath was like towards the end of it. Paul McGrath, what a lovely man. What a lovely man he was. He was so unassuming. It was. Can I tell a story now? Is it too early? No, no go ahead. Yeah, crack on. Mac, Paul McGrath came in the building, really quiet, didn't talk to anyone um, in, a, in any sort of way other than, hi, how are you? Really softly spoken. We go out to the training, very nice. Said, Look, you'll go on. You're going to have a really good career. You'll move from here to get a big move. So he was wrong there. That never happened for him. <laughs> <laughs> we started training. He, 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 he couldn't run. At that point, he couldn't run. So if the ball went over his head, he would run for the ball. And I'm sure it must be quite common with him now. If you watch video, he'll back heel it or he'll pass. Um... I'm going to stand up to show you. So the ball would come and he'd go, boom, pass like that. Boom, pass like that. He couldn't turn his body. And I was like, oh, that's a little bit wow. interesting. We went to play Palace <laughs> and he's give a ball away. He's passed the ball to someone like as though he's passing it through to him. I don't know how he's done it. They were like 10 yards in front of him and he's passed it. I can't remember who it was though. They're quite quick. They were quick. And I was like, oh God, like that. I don't know what the hell happened. He just, whoom, he turned on the burners, caught him, took the ball back off him and passed back to the keeper and then couldn't run again after that. I was like, <laughs> how does this man do it? He was, un no, it was incredible. I know it was his twilight years, but there were still things you were like, I just don't get it. 
Mm. I just don't get it. So good. So good. Wow. I've heard that he, d- he didn't train much, I guess, because of his way no, his body was in. He didn't train. He came out on Thursdays. And I don't think Paul played... I can't remember too much. But I don't think he played too many games. But he came out on Thursdays when we do the shape and stuff and kind of walk through it and just ease himself through. And that was pretty much it. Fridays, he'd have a little walk around and that, that was it. He was there, I really was, he was there for his experience. But saying that, Asanovic used to train, warm up on his own on the other side of the field and we just used to leave him to it because he was that talented. So oh, it right. worked. It worked. Was, was McGrath professional? Was he professional? Yeah, yeah. very. Yeah. We know about everything else, but he was very professional and like, mm. conducted himself really, really well. He was really, he was really likable person. Yeah, great. In the yeah. in the book, weirdly, he's down as a defender, but he's positioned amongst where the forwards are in the book. Where did, did he play at centre back then, or did he move Paul around? Paul McGrath. Yeah, centre half. When a derby? Yeah, only, always only centre half. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I want to stop you now because I've got one missing, and I or yeah, two missing. Are. So come on, what have I come give on. us a clue then? I reckon you've got two missing, actually. Um, Sean one Flynn is a... weren't there still, was he? Yes, Sean yes. Flynn's one of them. Yes! That's brilliant. <laughs> Did you see? I didn't hate you. <laughs> <laughs> and then you've got um, a forward who, again, was probably towards the end of his career. Really big name in the North East. Yes. So a lot of his career in the North East. Oh, Gabbers was there. Gabbardini. Yes. Yeah. Marco yeah. Gabbardini, yeah. 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 Darrell, I think that's the best performance. We ask every guest to try and name the players on their sticker page and I think you've rattled through them almost without a mistake so congratulations mm. oh, I'm, I'm buzzing because I, I like oh wow that's quite good well done Daryl you've also um, <laughs> rivaled Terry Feeling for biggest celebration so far as well <laughs> <laughs> apologies for that just shows no, how good. sad my life is <laughs> are, you, are you in touch with any of these guys still um, I was um, for a good period of time me and Jakob Larsson went into business together quite early, the agency stuff quite early, and I had a few Danish players off the back of that. Um, Igor Stimac, I speak to occasionally. Uh, one that's not on there, actually, he's a good lad, King Kladzi, I used to speak to. Oh, I kind of, wow. I kind of, like you do, you go and you live your own life, but probably out of the group, I probably communicated with the, with the majority of them. Dion Burton, I still speak to. I'm not sure that I said that one. He, he should have been on there. He's, he's not in there yet. He would have been a young player at that at that stage. No, I do speak as and when, and obviously the last 18 months has been hard for everyone, but before that, I was getting out and I was travelling quite a lot, and it's really nice to see some of the faces um, mm. you know, later on. Yeah. One of the things we do when we look at through these... So each club has three pages... One is the, all the stickers, one's a bit of information, one's a list of the squad, etc., etc., and it includes team photos. I want to ask you about picture day here, where you gather on the pitch and have your, your, the photos taken as a group. I'm looking at the one of Derby here, and almost everybody is smiling ear to ear, apart from you. You've got like this sort of steely Terminator <laughs> look about you. Is that deliberate, or was it, were you having a bad day? I just, felt, I just felt I looked better like that, and uh, <laughs> I think I was also conscious of the gap in my teeth, and I'm only just doing it. I'm coming 50 this year, and that's why my teeth are yellow, because I've got a brace on. So probably a bit, probably a bit of both, to be honest. <laughs> I actually okay. did laugh in and around the place, but yeah, photo day, I was like, clenched my jaw, <laughs> looked stern, didn't really work. <laughs> What's photo day like? Is it a, is it a chore or do you enjoy it? Uh, 
it's a chore and but you have a laugh you're all taking the mickey out of each other you can see who's like you know everyone's got himself pampered and trying to pretend as though they've you know just rocked up there want to look good little arguments over where we're stood where you where you're sitting and then the uh the club secretary or whoever's the organiser will come along and say, look, these are your positions, da 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 And so you've got to stand there, you've got to stand there. And and then there are also the lads that are not probably wanted further on, maybe don't make the team photo sometimes, which is a bit of a... Brutal. Mm. Bit of a bit of a yeah. nightmare for them because <laughs> being um, understanding young footballers, you really put your arm around them afterwards with pelters. So yeah. you just hammer them, to be honest. Oh. <laughs> One of the things I've always noticed is that the better players are always sat on the front row with the manager, and this is before the season started. So does that give you an early indication as to who's going to be getting game time? Hold on, hold on. Where was our sat? <laughs> Your back row. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm not having that. You, were you kicking off on the day? Oh, How am I on the back row? No, no, no. I wouldn't have been kicking off. I, it must have been a height thing. We had quite a short squad uh. and the tall lads went at the back. It was nothing yeah. to do with who was going to play. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. There's, um, you, you had a great coaching team at, at Derby. Obviously, we want to talk about Jim Smith, but Steve McLaren was on the staff and a big, big part of Derby at that time. Could you see him going all the way to a, the England job and prestigious roles like manager of Middlesbrough and Newcastle? I actually saw him on the weekend. Um, oh, yeah? Yeah. No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't see it. Sorry, Maka, you give me so much stick. No, what I saw was a fantastic coach. Yeah, he was. And being really serious, he was a fantastic coach, really forward thinking. We were re- revolutionary in the things we did. Um, we had like the pro zone room, we did stats, we did passes, we did ground covered in the 90s you know we had video analysis every monday morning on where you received the ball where you passed the ball where you shouldn't have passed the ball how many tackles everything so we were really we had everything covered so he's really 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 forward thinking he was a really really good coach but jim was the manager jim had a personality and i think the two together really really worked really really worked so yes i did see a fantastic coach I did see that, and I wasn't surprised when he went to Man United as a coach under, obviously, I can say this, the greatest manager the Premier League's had in Sir Alex. and But I didn't see Maka evolving into being a top, top draw manager, which I think the two things are slightly different. But mm. obviously, he had a fantastic managerial career. Mm. Mm-hmm. What did he? Uh, what did he say at the weekend when you bumped into him? No, not you again, Pally. <laughs> um, another name I wanted to pick out from this this current squad. Another one who's gone on to do good things in the coaching world is Chris Powell. Did you see him? Was it clear that he was going to go down that route? No, Maka. What we talked about, Maka. I could see that. So. I've said what I've said, and I did actually mean it. I didn't see a top manager in Macca, but I did see a top, top, top level coach. I did see that with Chrissy. He was he was just he was a, such a nice lad. We used to go round together and stuff, and I still speak to him now. And he was a good person, a good lad, decent player, quite unassuming, quite quiet. Uh, if I look back at it now, you could say he must have been a thinker. Because he analysed situations, he didn't jump up straight away. But I didn't really say, "Oh, he's gonna be 
a coach as such, but I did, when I look back at our group, it was a very strong group. And I'm not talking football-wise, I'm talking mentally strong group. Mm -hmm. So I'm not surprised that quite a few have gone on to to coach, manage, Mm -hmm. do other things. Mm -hmm. Daryl, we put a lot of research into our recording these episodes. One of the best things is, is, is reading about the player of our interview and coming up with questions. Obviously, the first port of call is Wikipedia. Your Wikipedia is probably the sp- most sparsely populated of the players we've had on so far. You've only got seven lines on there. Do you know why that is? I've got no interest in it. <laughs> I've got no, not any real interest in social media. I quite like the fact that my life's a little bit calm and quiet. And that that would be it. I don't know a yeah. lot of people... You know, during their careers or people around them, they add to the pages, they talk a lot about them, about their lives, about what they're doing. Even this, I was quite surprised I said yes to this and it was probably I was in a half decent mood on the day and it was, I think, Paul Hall's partner, another lad that I know, I think she's got the business that does this and I just thought, yeah. Wow. We're honoured to mm. have you on. It's not very helpful when it when it comes to researching, but mm. we're, we're, we're pushing past your, your lack of Wikipedia information. <laughs> Thank you very much, man. You say that you like a calm life, but it turns out that you're the current head coach of the Castleford Tigers in the Super League, according to Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, when, when, when um, I was playing, that Daryl Powell's name used to come up, and my grandma used to run to the radio wondering which one it was. <laughs> and, he, and he scored... And I was like, Grandma, that wouldn't be me. That will happen once every year and a half. <laughs> Daryl scored 12 points at the weekend. Well done. <laughs> uh, Daryl, you've, you've, um, one thing it does say on your, on your Wikipedia page is that your dad was a, a reggae musician. We can see there's a guitar behind you and there's a little model there above, over your left shoulder. It could be of, of, of Bob Marley. Do you play? Is that an interest of yours? No, I was just, from our grew up, I was just sport. Dad was massively into music, uh, rest his soul, went a few years ago now, uh, but he loved the football. He was a bit of a, also a lovable rogue, people would say, and uh, he was more known than I was. A little story on him, actually. I was watching Tottenham, Tottenham and Arsenal, I think it was, and I got talking to a fan. I was sat there, I got talking to a fan. And he said, uh, oh, so what team do you support? And I was like, oh, support Portsmouth. It's where I grew up. And I've lived in Derby for a long time. So I support Derby also. And he went, oh, really? I know one of the Derby players. Dad's really well. I went, oh, who's that? He said, oh, Daryl Powell. His dad and me are really close. I said, oh, do you? Oh, that's really interesting. And I just laughed and I thought, you know, I travel and I travel quite a lot. And when I used to travel, more people around England knew my dad than me. So it's quite, it's quite interesting. It's quite funny. Did you follow that up? Wouldn't say. Um... No, did I help? I quite liked it. I quite liked it. I said, I might have even, I don't know what I would have said to him. Oh, Daryl Powell, yeah, 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 I know him. He's not bad. Or something like that. I would have said something like that and just left it there. Didn't want to go into it anymore. Um, on the topic of music, we often hear that a player today will be the DJ in the dressing room and players are always seen with their headphones on when they're arriving at matches and stuff. What was it like in the 90s? Was it a big part of the dressing room back then? No. Um, yeah, we'd have music on. 
but uh, there weren't headphones and there's definitely no none of the big big labels that there are now on the, and they're walking in in their own little world we were just uh we sit on the bus the music we played on the bus we get in the change room we put the music on jim smith would like shout and moan get that off if he didn't really like it etc mm-hmm. etc and uh um, I can't remember who did the music. I would have done it sometimes. There'd be different different lads doing the music. So, Daryl, so you grew up... We've got that you grew up in Lambeth and South London. How did you arrive at Portsmouth? I love this. I'm telling too much about my life. I was born in South London, moved to Portsmouth at a really young age. I was only three. So I grew up actually in Portsmouth. Right, okay. My mum went to Portsmouth for for work. And uh, obviously me, my brother and my dad, that's where we that's where we did growing up. We used to drive back to London every weekend. Used to be on that A3 every single weekend to go and get Caribbean food because uh, there wasn't any of that in Portsmouth when we arrived. And then spend the <laughs> weekend with family and then come back down on the Monday morning. So I grew up, uh, yeah... From 3 to 23, I was in Portsmouth. And then from 23 to today, I've been in uh, in the Midlands, in that Derby, Derbyshire area, with a little short break where I was in the States for a couple of years playing football. Yeah. And how did you get picked up by Pompey as a footballer? Oh, this is brilliant. This is absolutely superb. <laughs> Man, I don't want to be on here for two hours, but I'm enjoying it. But I am going to cut it short, all right? Right. I was... I don't want to sound bashful because I know you get the players on and you see interviews and we always say the same things. Oh, I was lucky. He, Alan Shearer, I was lucky. He crossed the ball in. I volleyed it from 25 yards and he went to the top corner <laughs> and I was so lucky. No, you weren't, Alan. You were, you were the top, top, top player. That's what you were. But at school, school-level football, I was good. I was very good uh, in my local area and you play for the Sunday League teams. I actually went to a local comprehensive, got moved to a, a private school on a manufacturer-assisted place where the government paid, government scheme. And the school I went to was a cricketing and rugby school. And I don't think they won a football match until I arrived. And then we did really, really well. And the teacher, we went on a visit of Portsmouth Football Club and um teacher spoke to the club and said I've got a lad here who's really really good Bring you need to bring him in that day uh, if I can get it out I've got a photo of me with Alan Knight and I'm in my we used to wear the blazer and the school shorts and all, all really really smart and me and Knight see picture of me as a school kid that was really really nice went training did well I felt good didn't really get any love so at the end of that season I actually didn't really bother going back for the for the start of the next season, I thought they didn't even not even give me any attention. And then uh, one of my best my best mate still is now said, "Ah, oh, Daryl, Alan Ball is at Alexandra Park, which was a, like a field like uh, training thing. He's training Pompey lads." I went, "Alan Ball, the real one, the World Cup Alan Ball." He went, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." I went, "Come on, let's go." So I've got on my bike. We've ridden our bikes about two miles from my house, my BMX. So I stood there on the fence, just watching them train. I knew the lads training. I was watching, stood there. And a couple of mates and weren't bad. I was like, mm, he's playing. And then he's come over. He's gone, hey, son, do you want to join in? I went, yeah, all right. He went, it's not yeah, all right in this game. It's yes or no. I went, 
yeah, yeah. So I joined in, smashed it. He's come to me <laughs> afterwards, he's put his arm around me. Make sure you're here next week. And I went, yeah, of course. Next week, everyone was there. Bobby Campbell, head of recruitment, everyone, all the staff. It was like, and then one of the head of recruitment said, I, um, he said he was already here last year. He's my lad. And Annabel went, no, 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 he's my lad. He's my lad, him. And then I went, yeah, yeah, I've come back because of you. I heard you he was here. And he went, listen, you don't worry about nothing. Next week, don't come on your bike. I'm going to drive you home and I want to introduce your parents. I said, well, I've only got my mum at home. My dad's always in trouble. He's not at home. And he went, don't worry, I'll take you home. Next week, took me home to my mum, come into our house. And he went, right, introduced himself. She didn't know who he was. Introduced himself and he um, said, don't worry about your son. He's going to be looked after here. We're going to make sure he gets his football boots and everything. And he's going to make a living out of this game. So don't you worry most amazing thing ever and then it was just like that was it from there i think i was like 13 and he was there till i was 17 i think and we had a really good little we had a really good group of players all because of one man and it and that looking back that can show that shows me the influence someone someone with special talent and special desire and love for the game can help produce young footballers mm. Mm, that's an amazing story. Oh, amazing. So amazing. And it's like he's in the room as well with that impression. <laughs> well, I lost my voice a little bit then. Yeah, I was trying, but I was going to do the Jimmy Smith one, but it's hard because you'll have to like put a lot of bleeps in. <laughs> oh, it's fine on this show. Don't worry about that. Now, Richie, if I were to say to you, who is the perfect sponsor for a 1990s football podcast? Who would you say? Brown Ale? Fissons? Mm. Sharp? Mm. View Cam? Mm-hmm. Yep. I think they're all Possibly. bust, but, but they'd, be, they'd be great <laughs> sponsors, wouldn't they? They would. But we've got someone sponsoring this show who is better than all of the above. I am Stop delighted no way. to officially announce that we have agreed an official sponsorship deal with none other than Classic Football Shirts. You're joking. <laughs> nope. This is legit. They are sponsoring the show on a long-term wow. three-episode deal. I worked into the night securing this. It went to the wire. But mm-hmm. faxes have been exchanged, and I can officially Dude. confirm this episode with Daryl Powell is brought to you by Classic Football Shirts. We're genuinely delighted. We're fans of the brand. We're customers. And mm. to have them partner with us on the, the Search of a Chinese podcast is a dream come true. Mm. And the good news doesn't end there. Are you ready for this? If you visit classicfootballshirts.co.uk, type the words the shiny pod, shiny with an E, of course, just like Ian Hart with an E, <laughs> you will be able to redeem a 10% discount on any item at classicfootballshirts.co.uk. That is, I mean, that's genuinely mint, isn't it? This that's is so good. My, my wife's going to be fuming about this. <laughs> I've got told and, off for so many borough shirts that have turned up in the post, secretly turned up. Oh, it's great. I try, it's great I try to intercept them at the door, but she gets there first. <laughs> but listener, please act on this code, the shiny pod, because this is this is what's going to keep the nineties goodness coming to you. We need we need to show return on this for the good people at Classic Football Shirts. They've trusted in us, they've invested in our product, and we want to repay them with lots of you going out to buy those classic nineteen nineties football shirts. And uh, to celebrate this marriage of podcast and football shirt, 
we have a little incentive for you listening. Put us in touch with a player from the 1997 Premier League sticker book. We'll buy you a shirt from Classic Football Shirts. <laughs> How does that sound? Big big disclaimer. <laughs> Huge. W- worth, <laughs> worth £50 or less. <laughs> but put us in touch with a player and you can have any shirt on their site for £50 or less. We'll buy it for you. So get on the site, have a look for the shirt you want, find the player, and uh, you know if it happens, we will we will genuinely do this. So we, I think Terry Feeling was a listener mm. find in series series one, wasn't it? Someone got in touch. Oh yeah, uh, he was on a Facebook group. That's right. Yeah, Facebook group. He was on a Facebook group, and Terry Feeling was uh, it was it was a nineties football Facebook group, and Terry Feeling was in there commenting. He contacted Feeling went, would you would you be interested in doing this show? And we got Feeling. So um, so <laughs> yeah, speaking of Terry Feeling. Right. I go on classic football shirts quite a lot. I've got quite a big collection of, of, of shirts that I'm very proud mm-hmm. of. My favourite section on the on the website is the match worn section. It's it's uh, it's unbelievable. They got genuinely uh, match worn shirts from players from you know everything from the fifties up to modern day. One player has a match worn shirt who we've had on the podcast, and it's Terry Feeling. Is it? Yep. You can buy Terry Feelin's Everton Match Issue Away shirt, Feelin 18, uh, oh. large. Uh, it's a lush shirt, Umbro, Everton. Um, it's 150 quid. I think that's cheap, you know, for this, right? This is a lovely looking shirt. It's got the classic Umbro diamonds all the way down the uh, sleeves. It's got the Premier League badges, Feelin 18 on the back. It's white. It's on, Honestly, it's stunning. Some notes on the shirt. I'm going to read them out. It's a rare, it says, this is a bit of detail about the shirt, a rare player shirt. Believed to have been issued or prepared for Phelan as the Toffees battle to avoid relegation from the Premiership. Phelan joined Joe Royal's side during the December 1996 injury crisis and was greeted with a cold reception mm. by the Goodison faithful. Nevertheless, his infectious enthusiasm and hard work eventually endeared him to the fans before injuries curtailed his Toffees career. A particularly nasty injury in November 1997 put Phelan out for the remainder of that campaign and almost the entire 1998-99 season. He discussed this with us on the podcast, he did. didn't he? He did, the poor fella. Upon his recovery, Philo was sent off in a reserve game and failed to make a first-team outing in the remainder of the season. The shirt is believed to have been prepared for Phelan between the December departure of Mikhail Madder. Do you remember him? I don't remember him. Mikhail Madder? I don't remember the name. Is, it, is he, he pronouncing that right? Probably not. But no, uh, no, Knowing you, definitely not. Um, <laughs> M-A-D-A-R. He vacated the 18 shirt and the arrival of David Weir in February took the number. So this is a super rare shirt. Mm. Everton, Umbro, one-to-one. Remember when they sponsored them in the 90s? Yes. So that's just an example of uh, the fantastic product that uh, our good friends and partners, Classic Football Shirts, have. I'm going to spend a considerable amount of time on this website now. <laughs> now there's a 10% discount. Oh, dearie me. It's a brilliant website. Well, Listener. Chris, Christmas and birthday list coming up for me, so... Exactly. You know, Christmas Christmas it's... is coming, listener. Get on there. Treat yourself. It's on us. 10% of it anyway is the, the shiny pod, shiny mm. with an E. And find us a player, you've got yourself a shirt. That's class. Get in there, classic shirts. Here's some more Daryl Powell. Daryl, we obviously we know your Wikipedia is sparsely populated, so we had to turn to other methods to, to research you. And we found an interview with one of your former youth teammates when you were at Portsmouth, and he said at the time we were quite a troublesome bunch. There was a hell of a lot of talent there. On one occasion, the fraternity had been knocked down. It was like a building site around there, all rubble. 
So we created a person wearing trousers and overalls and buried it in there. <laughs> we then went over to the kit man, Gordon Neve, and shouted, someone's buried in the rubble. He came running out and started to get the person out before realising. Do you remember that story? And were you quite a troublesome bunch? Where, where does my name come into it first? <laughs> is, is, is this a, a police interview, this? <laughs> There's no mention of your name. I'm just wondering if you were around. I do, actually. And when... Do you, do you, do you know the name of the person who, who that was that said it? Youth team player. Because we did have a really talented group, actually. Super talented group. Um, and I do remember that. And yeah, we did get in trouble quite a bit. And yeah, I was a bit of a boy. And I did grow up on one of the estates in Portsmouth. And I did used to walk into training, like into Fratton Park every day. So through all the areas. So yes, I did know a few. And we were good lads. But yeah, we were a little bit... We were a cheeky little group. And there were a few different things, actually. Remember getting told to do jobs by John Gregory and then we end up getting all the fire hydrants out and having a water fight and, like, flooding the stands and ruining the wiring. And Mark, the work... Not really. The, the thing was also used to... Um, when we used to get told to do jobs, I always used to sort of sneak off of Anderton and go and play, like, two-touch and we'd have little competitions. You just couldn't put the ball away. And this is actually true, and Alan Ball never, ever believed it. I never missed a day of school. He always used to think I was skiving because... Um, private schools get longer holidays and whenever I was off school no, I never missed school said, don't you laugh, I never missed school <laughs> whenever I had any opportunity I'd go and watch them train so whenever I went down and watched them train for 13, 14, 15 just like straight away go and get some kit on go and get some kit on do you want to join in with the youth team da, da, da. join in with the pros and I just used to go down just wanted to play, just wanted to be a part of it but we did it was a little bit different to now, of course. We were, there was a little bit more of an edge to the whole thing. I remember, even when you were going in, there were things that wouldn't be allowed now, like inductions. And I remember Kev Ball saying to me, you know, Kevin Ball at Sunderland and yeah. Liam Daish as well, when you come in here, you'll be getting, in. you'll be the first one getting the induction. And that's just the way we were. It never happened like, but that's what they said to me. And, just the way it was, it was very, very different. And, and Jim Smith was your first first team manager, and then he obviously took you to Derby as well. What is your go-to Jim Smith story when people ask you for memories of the Bald Eagle? Oh, my God. He wasn't my first manager. Oh, was he not? No, I had a... Alan Ball was my first manager. I had Tony Barton was a caretaker manager. I had John Gregory. It was his first job. Portsmouth, wow. and then I had Terry Fennick. Terry Fennick, his first job was Portsmouth, and then Jim had actually left Portsmouth to go to Derby at the time. I went to meet John Rudge at Port Vale. They wanted to sign me, and then they said Sheffield United wanted you, and then Terry said, go up. He said, and then I'll come back, and he went, Jim Smith wants to see you. Go up, meet with Jim, da-da-da, whatever he offers you, make sure you don't sign, come back, and uh, we'll sort you out a new contract. I was like everyone, yeah, 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 I won't sign, I won't do anything. So I went up and actually I did sign and didn't come back. I just phoned Terry to say I'm staying up here. And that, that was it. So I had a few. But Jim's stories, there are too many. 
There are too many. Oh, oh my gosh. One is one then. We were. Oh, let me see how tidy I can make it. We're at Middlesbrough. <laughs> and I can't remember what competition, but it was a cup competition. We've beaten Middlesbrough. We had to fly back down to Portsmouth. In the morning, we're all down. Jim used to like a drink, obviously. I'm sure the world knows that. And no one, Gaffer weren't there. So Sillet, Physio went, Bowley, go and, go and wake the Gaffer up. Go and wake the Gaffer up. Come on, come on. Um, we got to go. On. You go, go on, he likes you. Go on, you go and wake him up. So <laughs> I've gone, knock the door. Gaffer, Gaffer. I've gone in. He's, I've gone in. Gaffer, Gaffer, got it. He's gone, right, you. Fuck off, you Fucking, <laughs> I'll knock you out. He's got out of the bed in all his glory, everything all over the place, <laughs> hair out to the side. He's swinging. Oh, go on. And then I've gone, oh, we've got to get down. And I've run out of the room, gone down. I've gone, Gaffer's nuts. I said, he started swinging at me. And he's gone, uh, gone, oh, yeah. So then got down, Gaffer come down, sat on the coach, got to the airport. Sat in the airport, he's telling stories about his life and then how he used to box for Yorkshire. He could have been the best boxer, you know, I was top boxer, me, I could have been best in the world and all that crap. And then he's diving across the airport. Big story, I can't really tell you the whole the whole story because it goes a little bit far. Basically, something's got thrown and then he's gone, I've caught it and he's dived. We're in the flipping airport, Jim Smith. Northern, managed Newcastle, has dived in the airport, blind drunk. There was nothing thrown at him. He said, should have fielded in slips for Yorkshire, me. I was great. I was like, Paul, man. I was like, oh, my God. And that's one. Another one with Jim was we played Barnsley. I think we were awful. And then we got on the bus afterwards, and him and one shop, Jack, one shop's gone, he's like, one shot, you are fucking rubbish. You are useless <laughs> today. Fucking useless. And he started shouting, Why are you shouting? Now you should be shouting on pitch, you fucking rubbish. One shot thrown a punch at him. <laughs> One shot thrown a And Jim blocked it. Whoa, everyone stop. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then, sit down, calm down, Paolo. Da, 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 da. So then, Monday morning, we all come in. And then he comes, so he starts talking about the game and that. He's gone, no, you lot were, were poor. And this was happening. Choppy, you should have done that. Da -da. Gets to the end of the story. He goes, uh, end of the chat. He goes, anywhere. Do you see that? One shot. You. One shot. You've thrown a punch and I've just caught it. You're lucky I didn't knock you out. And the boys just started cracking up. He just like, <laughs> you're thinking you're an old geezer. You're an old geezer. Yeah, the boys have all jumped in and you're still giving him plenty. He was just a character. And then what he'd do, he'd just put his arm around you and he'd just get on. He, the, the man management skills of his were first class. He was absolutely scary. He was absolutely scary, loud, shouting and that. But then he'd put his arm around you and he would always pick the players that he thought would get him a result. Didn't hold any grudges at all. Amazing. You must have been. You must have had beef with a the physio then for sending you up to the hotel room, knowing that. Did he know that was coming? He stitched you up there. <laughs> Stitch, oh, I got stitched up loads of times. Oh, I got <laughs> stitched up loads. I, I, I could deal with it though. I handled it. 
I was a bit quicker than Jim, I think. I hope I was anyway. So I, <laughs> I'm, sh- I'm sure I could have dodged and got out of the way. <laughs> but yeah, it's a little bit of one. Um, you mentioned earlier you're in the same youth team as, as Darren Anderton. He's obviously a big name from 90s football. Can you tell us a bit about him? Um, well, we had a really, like I say, we had a really good group of players that got taken on uh, that year. And um, we had three lads that were all invited to go to Lillyshaw. And this, I think, was down to, all right, Dave Hurst, yeah, and obviously Alan Ball, really. We had uh, under-16s captain, Mickey Turner. We had um, a centre-forward who I thought was fantastic, called Mickey Ross, played up front with Andy Cole. And then we had Andy Orford, central defender. Um, All first-class players. And we had 13 lads taken on for scholarships. And um, number 13 was a lad called Darren Anderton. I can honestly say I cannot remember him up until the point of us signing youth team forms. It's, It's amazing. Up and honestly couldn't remember him, couldn't remember him. And then when we signed, we started playing the games and that. He was very, uh, very languid, like me actually, in his running style, but a fantastic athlete, fantastic athlete, really good pass for the ball, short or long, had a real calmness, and he trained really well. Me and him used to, every day, we used to, at lunchtime, training would finish. Before going into lunch, me and him would stay out for 25, 30 minutes every day, room partnered and everything, and he did really well. So that first year, um, FA Youth Cup, not so relevant. We got knocked out by Watford. I don't know if you remember Rob Thomas back in the day. Uh, He was a superb talent, he was. He was one of the best. And we got knocked out by them, but four of us, four or five of us never played because we were involved with the first team the weekend before and then the second year second year scholar we got to the semi-final uh and and scored a few goals on the way we beat arsenal with andy cole we beat liverpool with mcmanaman we had a we had a good team and uh we got beat by middlesbrough uh, in the semi-finals because we were big time and they never had a player and uh then first years as pros although he gave us all contracts early we actually got to the fa cup proper semi-final uh, I got dropped for both semi-finals. Uh, first one at Highbury, cried my eyes out, and then I was told that I'd play in the second one by Jim. Second one dropped at, at Aston Villa, and it went from crying to that. So you learn really quickly to to deal with it. Uh, but mm. he said it was too, he said it was too early, and looking back, it probably was. I got too excited about it. But Anderton had played so well in those games. He scored against Liverpool. I think in the hybrid one for the 1-1 one, one game. And then from there, that summer, then he was bought by Terry Venables and went to Tottenham. And he just he just carried it on. He was really had a real strong belief in himself. He was technically good. He moved <clears throat> to the right club at the right time. And I know that injuries did hamper his career later on. I think that, like, without going over the top football and drinking was a were like tied together at that point and Darren probably got into the drinking groups and wasn't any worse than any other player maybe that had something to do with it maybe he was just unlucky injury wise but it's a really good story because he was the least known of all the players that signed and he ended up he was the best player he's had the best career and that that says it all best career best player simple as that Seems very underrated, I think. I don't think he gets the credit he deserves. He doesn't. He doesn't. 
But he's got a he's got a outwardly he's got a quietness to him though, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting that you mentioned about the football and drinking. They were married together still in this period, and that's why I think it's such an interesting period because you could go out and enjoy yourselves, but you were still playing elite level sport at the same time. So. Any, we encourage you to talk more about that on this show. That's a very interesting <laughs> facet of searching for shame. What Tuesday night and Tuesday and Thursday night drinking club, is, and is and, and me being told that you'll never make it as a player because you don't drink, and I didn't, I didn't <laughs> drink. Yeah, I was told I'd never make it because I don't drink. That shows you how times have changed, right? That's unbelievable, really, isn't it? When you yeah. think about the sports science behind it all, and etc. Yeah, et it was, it was different. In the, in the interest of time, I think we should move it on to your, your period at Derby, which we want to talk a lot about. You, you, so Jim Smith's sales pitch was so good, you never ended up going back to Portsmouth. He sold you. Um, I thought that I need to leave Portsmouth. Like I said, I grew up there. All my, it's no disrespect to anyone. All my mates were there and could have easily got into trouble. And every Saturday, you know, people wanted 100 tickets and da 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 And it was just like... It was my time to go. I saw Derby as a better club than Portsmouth um, in terms of chances to get promoted. When I say better club, it's not down to the club. It's not down to the fans. It was all about professionally. I saw it as a better place for me to be. Jim Smith also offered me good money. I turned it down. And then I said, for me to come here, I want this, 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 this. The agent at the time like looked at me, who uh, was taking me, and I said, so what are we going to do? He said, so what are you going to do if we don't sign? I said, well, to be honest, I says, I've never had any money. I ain't got no money right now. It ain't going to change nothing. And then we've gone out, we sat there, and they've actually come up and given me, given me the, the money. Jim signed me to play at centre-half. I told him that I didn't want to play centre-half. I don't enjoy it. And he said, oh, I don't want you. You get signed. Da, 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 da. Uh, looking back, he was probably right because I think my first game, and the reason I know, was was against Port Vale. Ironically, I'd seen John Rudge the week before and they were in the championship. And uh, I got man in the match for Ron Atkinson. I'm looking at the Ensley Owl here. Look. Yeah, man. Yes. Wow. Oh, look at that. That's incredible. Unbelievable bit of stash. That is a fantastic looking trophy. Big Owl. Big Owl. Like that, was my, that was my debut. That was my debut for Derby. Played left of the three central defenders. I think it was, I think it would have been Stimach in the middle for sure. And then Gaz Rowett possibly on the right or Yatesy and me on the left. Good memory. Mm. You mentioned uh, you mentioned Stimach there. Um, he signed from Hadjuk Split. Um, and one of the things we're particularly interested in is foreign players coming over to the English game for the first time because this is when we started to see a, a bit of an influx. So um, I was reading about Stimax. It sounds like Smith took a bit of a gamble because he sold Craig Shaw to Paul Williams and Pembridge that summer to raise some cash. And then he brings in Stimax, who at the point was, the only, I think, the only overseas player in the dressing room. What's it like having a player like that come in and how do they fit in? I, I can say this. We had a really, really strong strong group we were a young group I was 24 and there were quite a few that were two three years younger than me playing we all wanted to be successful we just wanted to to see a good player come in and that pre-season 
we were really good. Really, really good. I know it was a change in the guard because before that, Derby were like the big club of the division. Um, they were spending a lot of money getting all the top players there. And uh, Lionel Pickering really invested a lot for that period of time and couldn't get them over the line. And then Jim come. And I know for sure when he signed, it was Jim who. Derby fans weren't happy. Jim who. <clears throat> all these young players were signing. It's who are they? Who are these players? We're on a downer here. And pre-season, we were good. We were good. I was like, we're decent. And the boy's like, we're decent. I remember seeing Sturridge. He got offended by it. I said, well, why aren't you involved? And I see him running and like, training. I didn't know him before. And I was like, oh, he's a bit bit tasty. Why aren't you involved then? What's going on? Da, 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 da. But he said, oh, I'm the best player and I should play. We, we had that mentality. But hard working. It was the right mentality. And then... <clears throat> We had played five games and we, we hadn't won a game that, 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 at the start of the season. And then I remember doing a, an interview, actually, and I said to the reporter, don't judge us yet, give us 10 games. Stimach signed on the ninth game. We went to Tranmere. We got beat 5-1, 5-2, 1 It was one because he scored the one. We got beat 5-1 and, and, uh, and we were... Awful. And then <clears throat> coming on the Monday, Mac or Jim, whatever, said, we're changing the system. We're changing the shape. We're going to go three centre-halves, wing-backs. Eagle's going to be blah, blah. And he was like larger than life. Not uh, not Cantona, but our Cantona at the back. Mm -hmm. Real ego. Really, I'm the best thing in the world. I'm great. Da, da, da. Confident on the ball. Tenth game. Don't remember who it was. We won. And then, Bang. We won, we won, we won. And the, and the group grew, and the group grew, and the confidence come. We were down to 8,000 fans, six and a half to 8,000 fans um, at that point. And then the crowd started to come back, started to come back. Maybe after 15 games, 18 games, we were selling out. And then never played in an empty stadium at, at the baseball ground as it was. Or Pride Park again in the time I was at the club. It was it was fantastic. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. he was he was the catalyst, really, because the way we played changed, our shape changed. Lads would look at him and think, Okay, you're not bad, but I can be as good as you. That was the mentality of the group and it created a real energy to the group. A real energy. And then Sturridge um he kept got involved after about 10, I can't really remember too clearly, 10, 15 games, he got involved and he was, he was phenomenal at, at the level. He was, he just had so much. We had a really good leader in Van der Laan, really good lad, really good leader, really like professional. I had energy to burn, to be honest. At that level, like running, running power and you could run, I could run over the top of people at, at that level. And then our confidence just grew and grew and grew. Because I can remember when Portsmouth come come to play us and uh, Alan McLaughlin, bloody hell, rest his soul as well now. Jeez, Alan McLaughlin, who was my little bit of my mentor at Portsmouth. I've got a good story on, on that, actually. Uh, he was my mentor a little bit at Portsmouth. They went 1-0 up. I can remember in the game saying to Macca, you made a mistake. You've gone ahead now. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll beat you. And he was like, and we just 
boom, we just, and, but it was, wasn't just, that was the mentality of our group. So we had that real strength. And then I think towards the end of the season, I think I oh, picked up an injury. A couple of lads got injured. We missed the last few games. And then I think we were, I'm saying it now, we were better than Sunderland. They won the league that season. I'm remembering all this, I don't know. But we were better than them. I don't care what anyone says, we were better than them. And uh, we hit a wall. Sunderland saw it out and we just got over the line on the very, on the very, very last day of the season against Palace. That was a, a nervy game. Even though I wasn't playing, Vander's done the business that day. And the boys, like, got it over the line. So that, that was like a fantastic, fantastic, fantastic time. And just to, just to the Sunderland fans, the reason why I'm saying we were better is because the next season, you went down. We stayed there for seven seasons. So I'm talking about facts. We were better. And I can remember that. I can remember that summer going on, going on holiday with the players and that after the season. And the Sheffield United players are there. And I, I'm not going to say who, but I've gone in to the toilets of this bar, this club and that. They were in there lining up because, oh, you lot uh, got promoted, didn't you? Well done. Done really well. Well done. But you're shit and you'll be relegated next season. And like things like that, you just like go, really? <laughs> really? Okay, we'll see. And it just, I don't know. It's just a little, a little bit of fire that you need. Yeah. Well, I'm a Newcastle fan, so you're welcome to throw Sunderland some shade on this show. It's not a problem, Daryl. <laughs> you mentioned Alan McLaughlin. I actually was asked, had a question about him. Uh, I wanted to talk, going back to your Portsmouth days, the game away at Blackburn where he scored a hat-trick in the FA Cup. I don't know if that was the story that you were going no, to talk about. No, the story was about me, not about Macca. <laughs> <laughs> we've gone, we've got Man United in the League Cup at Old Trafford. You can check if it was the League Cup. I'm sure it's the League Cup. They've had so many different names. And um, they were Man United, the best team in the land. And uh, we're travelling up to the game. Well, to, yeah, to the game. We're on the bus. And we go by that, is it Macari's, the fish and chip place? Yeah. And uh, do you know where I mean? Is it like a fish and chip shop going into Old Trafford? Yeah, Lou Macari's place. Yeah, I've gone. Macca. Fucking shitting myself here. I would have been 19, 20, because I'm shitting it. He's gone, Pauli, there's going to be 60,000 people here today. He goes, 59,500. Haven't got a clue who you are. He said, <laughs> enjoy it. I've gone, honest to God. And I've just gone. And we absolutely run I played I actually played you can laugh as much as you want I played up front that night against Bruce Brucey and, and Pallister and I absolutely ran the legs of Steve Bruce that night absolutely ran it <laughs> we took him out he took us out in the evening afterwards and he actually come and talked to me obviously at that time I didn't know Steve Bruce but he come and talked to me and he went he went son are you tired I went yeah kind of he went sake you just <laughs> did not stop running did you you did not stop and we drew 2-2 two -two. I've I've had it I'll call it an assist I've had a shot Schmeichel saved it Paul Walsh has put it in and I've run over to Walsh to celebrate and he's bang punch me in the stomach he goes don't 
don't you fucking ever do that again. Next time you're there, square it. I went, that's a lesson. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, flip now, cheers, Walshie. And then uh, after, that, <laughs> after that night, I call that the day I realised I was going to be a player. I was 20, about 20, and I was like, we just played against the best players in, in England and Europe, really, some of the best players in Europe. And uh, I, st- I stood up to it and I felt comfortable in it. And then uh, you're going to make a you're going to make a living out of this. Mm. And then the next week, well, we didn't even say living at that time. That's an old man talking. You're going to be a player. You're going to have a career because that's how you talk. Then it weren't living and all that crap. And then the next week, I played against Derby County actually. So I played centre forward against Man United and I played centre half against Derby, and I absolutely cruised it. And that that was. That was my like light bulb moment in terms of you're gonna have a decent career. My father-in-law and my brother-in-law, they're all big Pompey fans, season ticket holders, and I asked my father-in-law about, about you and about Pompey during that era. And he talked about how good the early nineties was, in particular Walsh and Whittingham up front. I looked it up, Whittingham scored forty-two goals in a season. Whittingham was a throwback, so you know, fans will have their opinions about us as players and what we got and what we haven't got. Whittingham was an absolute throwback. He was very, very raw in his style of play and, and everything. He'd run over the top all the time. He would compete and bloody fight for everything, always getting in the middle of the goal, always getting in the middle of the goal, just just really hungry, come out of the armed forces, just hungry as hell and just got onto stuff. Like... Uh, some of the goals he scored and some of the collisions and things he went through, you wouldn't do now. Just like a lot of the things I've done, you wouldn't do now. Uh, Walshy was a fantastic football player. But then again, I have played with some others along the way. But at that time, he, he, he was a level up to what everyone else had in terms of quality, use of the ball, awareness, real toughness to him as well. A real toughness to him. He was a top, top player for that team. Just to bring it for them to 95-96, Derby have, have gone up, promoted. You've gone on this incredible run, 20-game unbeaten run. Um, the celebrations must have been unbelievable. There was a new stadium being built. Euro 96 was on. You were signing players like Asanovic. There must have been an incredible time in your life as a person and a player. You're young, so you... Believe in yourself. And, and now I've said that a lot on here, but that was our group. You, I, can, I, could, I could see it in our group. Even at the time, we were a bit cocksure, we were a bit cocky. And um, we believed that we'd go up and we'd do the business. Funnily enough, Dino was one of the ones that was a little bit more unsure. And I can remember we went to Tottenham early doors in the season. And he said, oh, I'm really nervous. And he goes, Pauly, everyone was saying that you wouldn't do it. You've really stepped up. He goes, what have you done? I said, I don't know. I just, I just think I'm good enough. And then he, I says, like, you're good enough. You'll smash it. He goes, yeah, but I still feel nervous at the moment. I don't feel ready. It's like too much. And then he come alive after that. But that summer, the Euro 96, I was going out with Frank Clark's daughter, the manager of Forest. Oh, yeah. Nikki, at the time. <laughs> 
It doesn't matter. You dirty dog. I wasn't dirty, I was a young man. She was a younger girl. And uh, Frank knew about it, and so it wasn't nothing, it wasn't nothing sneaky. And uh, I remember we went to watch Croatia versus... Um, oh, who did they play? Bloody hell, it was at... At, at the city ground. At the city yeah. ground. I went and watched them at the city ground. So me and Nicky are sat there, and he gets on the ball. Obviously, he was world class. She's gone, uh, oh, so he's a central midfielder. I went, yeah, and you're a central midfielder. She went, so where are you going to play? Like that. He, was, he, was, he was special. I went, don't worry, I'll find a way. I'll find a way. Like, and and that, was, that was, that summed it up. And one more on him, we were playing Tottenham and we stayed at Sopwell House. And Arsene Wenger, I don't know how, but he ended up, I ended up sitting with him for breakfast. And I don't, I don't know him. Even to this day, I don't know him. And then he talked about players. And then he said, uh, who's your best player? And I said, Asanovic. And he says, yeah. He goes, I don't know what happened to him. He said, I had him at Mets. And he was going to be the best left-footed player in the world. He says, that's how highly I rated him. And I said, no, I said, he is special. And it just summed up the quality of player that we got in in that first season in him. Some of the boys would get a little bit frustrated with him because he would go and he would um, we'd warm up as a group. Acer would go and warm up on his own. He'd run off and doing his own thing. And the boys are like, oh. and I was, I was like, boys, don't worry about it. He'll do the business when it's match time. Some of the boys couldn't take it, some could. I was quite strong like that in that way. And then I says, uh, and then he went, yeah, but he don't run, da, 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 da. I says, look, I can run, I'll run, I'll run, I'll fetch the ball and I'll give it him because he has got qualities, honestly, that no one else has got. He was so physically strong. He'd get the ball in the tight. I remember playing Chelsea, he'd get his two arms up, he'd hold people off. He would just handle it in any situation. He was technically superb. And I actually had a really good relationship with him. And he was he just had he just had special talent. He was a special case as well, but he had <laughs> special talent. And I can see why with a top team, we were a good team. We were a good team. But with a top team with top players, I can see why it wouldn't work. Maybe outside of his home country, Croatia, where they probably really understand each other and stuff like that. But if he go to other countries, other players probably wouldn't accept it in the way that we did as a group. Why, why didn't it last for him at Derby? I think he wanted to go. I think he'd had enough. I think that whole being able to manage Acer and manage his, his personality was probably difficult. I don't know where he went from Derby, but... I think it had run its course. And then Jim was fortunate enough, clever enough with with Macca and his staff and his scouts and the people that he liaised with to unearth Stefano Aranio and Chicho Baiano, mm. who were also superbly talented. I think a lot... Asanovic was, I think, the toughest player in terms of quality on the ball, 
who you couldn't bully out of a football match. He was the best in tight in like receiving the ball that I've played with. Iranio was probably the best all round football player that I had the pleasure of going on a on a pitch with. His touch was superb. His character, what a lovely person, was superb. He was very, very welcoming. He was very, very helpful to the group. When he signed, we were in La Manga, and he actually, when he signed, Vanders was captain at the time, and I was probably one of the leaders of the group. So he put Stefano in a room with me and um, and Vanders, and then uh, very first day, come down for breakfast, and he's he's done the Maradona one. He's rolled up the sock and he's juggling the sock and in the in the kitchen and that and his touch and his his play in tight areas was so good so good mm. and as much as that wasn't my thing and people say oh you couldn't do this you couldn't do that i always gravitated to those players i mm. always come on come and play like a kid Sounds really mm-hmm. bad, this. Don't take this the wrong way. Come and play with me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, like, come on, come on, let's go and play. Let's go play two tries. I did it with him. I did it with Asanovic. And, you know, it just, you just, you just suck, like, all the good things that they've got. Just try and take, take, take it from them. But also know what your qualities are and how you can affect the team or the group. Listeners, you may have guessed Pauli is a two-parter. Uh, now, we should have mentioned that in the intro, but we were distracted by Howie the Hedgehog appearing on screen. He popped himself into Ketch's room and put us off. So, we forgot to mention it. Um, I'm blaming you, Ketch. Now, Blame Howie. I don't know about you, but I love listening to Daryl talk about these international mavericks. I had no idea how good Asanovic was, but hearing how he impacted training, the dressing room, matches at Derby... Um, is the exact reason I want to yeah. relive these glory years. Just yeah. class. I, I just loved how animated he was. It was genuinely, I was almost intimidated by it at the start. I was like, wow, what is going on? <laughs> it, we did we did the interview on Zoom. I felt I felt like he was going to smash through my computer screen and grab me around the neck. I, just, I loved it. He, why wasn't he a manager? I, I want to run through a brick wall for him now as we record this outro. I just want to do a good outro for him because I just love Pauli. Mm. Um, he must have been hyper as a kid as well. Oh, uh, no doubt. You, you, you probably heard on his mic, but he was like playing with a ruler or a pen or something as he spoke. Um, I don't know, just so much energy. Um, and and he was, I liked how he was referring to us as men. Oh, yeah, well, yes, really, yes. Yeah. Brilliant, yeah. brilliant. So, yeah. another hour of Pauli next week. He's the best. Yeah, he was class. Right, Ketch and listeners, are you ready for your quiz? So, as a reminder, in the intro, I said I'm going to set Ketch a little quiz. Can he name the 1996-97 PFA Team of the Year? Now, I'm going to give you three points if you can complete it with no clues. Oh. Two points oh. if you can do it, but I give you the clubs. One point if you can do it with the clubs and the positions that go with the clubs. Oh, I mean, just forget the point system. Anything less than let's one just, point. Let's just and try. Let's just... <laughs> anything less than one point, you need a long look in the mirror. I've got the books here, so that, I'm going to use that in chief. But uh, I, I, I can't I, even I, remember. I don't I, think it'll help you. I can't remember basic things. So, Man U won the league. Yes. Chelsea won the FA Cup. Who did they beat in the final? I, just... <laughs> I, uh, 
That's right. a good point. I'm going to start throwing some names. I'm going to start throwing okay. some names. Well, why don't you start with keeper? Can well, okay. Schmeichel. No. Seaman. Yes. Right, we're off. Back right. four. Ah, uh, well, I mean, Oh, that's embarrassing. No. Frank Leboeuf. Uh Adams. Yes. The uh, it, it, Ian uh, Hart. It's not easy. This I have to admit. Ian no, Hart. No Harty. No. <laughs> Graham Lasso. I'd move away from left back for now if I was you. Okay. Um, <laughs> Janino. No, he's not in it. How is he not in it? I don't know. How is he not? Player of the year. Shearer. He's not in it. Shearer. Yep, yeah, Shearer's in there, yeah. Rob Lee. No. It sounds like a horrendous guess, but it's not far off. Cantona. No. What? Dimitale. Oh, dear. There's no Chelsea players. No Chelsea? They got the, they got the FA Cup final. Uh, is there any more Newcastle players? Yes, one, and I gave you a big clue moments ago, which you br- brushed past. What p- what position? I said you were close with Rob Lee. Lee Clark. No. <laughs> Put it this way: you wouldn't Robert, want to David bump. Batty. It. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't want to say Robbie's you... house. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so you've got there was two Newcastle players. You've got them both there. Yeah. Beckham. Yes. Two more Man United players. Scholes? No. Giggs? No. Keane? Yes. Pallister? No, sadly not. Uh, Irwin? No. Gary Neville? Yes. Come on. Genev. Okay, so you're missing um, two defenders who both play for the same club. Phil Babb? No. Carragher. Wow, he wasn't too, born. Too young. <laughs> he was playing. He was playing. He's he? in the under twos. <laughs> Redknapp, Jamie Redknapp. No. Both both these guys are defenders. You're in the right club. But two of the back four. Not easy. One scales. of them. One of them. I've been chasing to come on the show. I have chased scales, but it's not him. Mark Wright. Yeah, Mark Wright. Yeah. Mark Wright in the PF8. Yeah, hey, he's what? a baller. Yeah. That's now crazy. the left back. Rob Jones. No, pretty sure he's a right back. Liverpool left back. Yeah. Do you want to be? Yes. Come on. Yep. So you've got I've chased Seaman. Him. I've added him on LinkedIn. He's not responding. No. Seaman, Neville, Adams, Wright, Bjornaby, Beckham, Keane, Batty, Shearer. So you're missing a wide midfielder and a striker. Uh, Chris Sutton. No. Hasselbank. Hasselbank? He's not around in this era. Come on, Kench. Come on, I need some clues now. Okay, well, both of these clubs are already represented in the in the uh, team. Only four yeah. clubs. Arsenal, Man United, Liverpool, Newcastle are the only clubs. You've got all Burkham. the Newcastle players. No. Close. What? Close. Anelka? No. Still close. Come on. Parler? Oh, my God. His head's gone, ladies and gentlemen. Ray Steve Parler. Morrow? <laughs> right, a striker, a striker from Arsenal. Oh, Ian Wright. Yes, thank you. Right, you're missing one now. You're missing one, and Gillespie. In his playing days, no. he was fantastic. L- lately, I'd say stay off Twitter on Champions League nights would be my suggestion mm. for this character. McManaman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Little story about Steve McManaman. A few years ago. Pele was giving a TV interview a long time ago now 
and they were trying to get out of him which players from the English game he had he admired, and he was trying to say McManaman. He didn't have a clue how to pronounce it, so he's like McGregor. <laughs> Eventually, they worked out it was McManaman. Yeah, so that's it. Seaman, Neville, Adams, Wright, Bjornaby, Beckham, Keane, Batty, McManaman, Shearer, Wright. That's oh, Mark Wright. Hell of a right team. There. It is a good team. So, actually, you did better than I thought. You did start you. throwing a lot of Man United players around, which was a disappointment, but well, you got there. You got there. Okay. okay. Mm. Let's move on. Let's move on. Listener, uh, thanks for, for listening to this episode. I just want to let you know, as we confirmed in episode one, we have a Gaza special coming this season. It's a, a documentary, soon-to-be award-winning documentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've rounded up all the stories of Gaza that the players have told us, and we've married them all together for a mental <laughs> episode that's going to come out right at the end. So... For this episode, we want your Gaza stories. So please, can you visit our website, searchingforchinese.com, and contact us with any interactions you've had in person with Gaza. Mm. And we're going to read the best out on the show alongside the ones that the players have told us. So that's that's going to be good. So please join in and send us some Gaza stories. Um, and while you're there, you know, click on our social media profiles and follow us at the Shiny Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I said at the top of the show I was going to moan about players not coming on the show. I don't think I'll do that. I'm going to keep it positive because Pauli's just filled me with positive energy. Mm-hmm. So uh, I won't I won't bother doing that. But I will say we could really do with a player from Villa, Blackburn, Coventry, Everton, Liverpool or Man United. So well, if anyone can... you can might as well scratch Man United off the list because <laughs> yeah. I have tweeted Peter Schmeichel <laughs> and I'm expecting a phone call from him any day now. <laughs> I just text. I just a little message saying, "Do you want to come and promote your book on our '90s football podcast?" So that's a done yeah. deal. Great. Okay, Schmeichel. Yeah, we'll get him in there. Yeah, man. Look, look out for that, listener. Look out mm. for that. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. We need those five star reviews too. Uh, tell mates that we exist. But last but not least, if you do one thing this week, listen to Pauli. Keep it really, really shiny.